you are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Expressive Iteration is banned in Pioneer. Winota, Joiner of Forces, is banned in Pioneer. This is not a drill. We break it all down in today's episode and predict the future of the Pioneer meta. Plus, testing results with Extraction Specialist. That's all coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Down Online, coming to you on a very dark and stormy night here in Durham, North Carolina. I am joined today all the way from Buenos Aires, Argentina. You know him as Mord to Light. It's Emi Sagasti. Emi, welcome. Hey, yo. How's it going, Dan? Been a while. How is your stormy night going? I mean, it's going good so far. The The lights are starting to flicker ominously, so we'll see if we get uh, suddenly cut off in the middle of this recording. I mean, just as we were starting, I had, like, my mysterious li- lights out. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of drama this week. I, I thought this was going to be kind of the beginning of the summer slump. You know, there's still, like, a long way to go before the next standard expansion Nuka Penna is like pretty thin as far as new cards go. And then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> this is yesterday, Tuesday morning. It was all of a sudden. Like, I was taking a nap and I, w- and I wake up to people talking. And I, I remember the first comment I read, which I think was yours saying, now that there's no Winota, maybe it's time for a new Naya card. And I was like, wait, no Winota? What are we talking about? <laughs> I just woken up from a nap and the world is shaken into a new place. Yeah. Yeah, big bannings in Pioneer. Winota Joiner of Forces is gone. But not only that, Expressive Iteration is gone. And that's huge. Absolutely huge. And we got to dig into all of that. So that is our main item of the day. We'll also tell you a little bit about our testing from last week with Extraction Specialist. But before we dive into the main event, let's just get our housekeeping out of the way at the top. Once again, if you like what we do here at the Faithless Brewing Podcast, the best way to show your support is by joining our Patreon. Making a pledge at any tier gets you access to our Discord channel, where we got just an awesome community of brewers there, always throwing around wild ideas, and we're kicking off a new project. Uh, We wrapped up our first monthly brewing project Uh, last week with Invoke Calamity, and we've just wrapped up the voting on the next month's project. We have the results. And should we give them to the people, or should we wait? (laughs) Well, Do you want to do it now? (laughs) We can reveal the winner now, just because um, we won't actually start working on this card until the next episode. All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, take take it away. So, the winner, this time by a much bigger margin than last time, is Shini Fei, Shedmir's second. The beautiful Naya with the weird mana cost that I'm not willing to even read. That's a 3 mana 3-3 three, three elf druid. 
that whenever you would create one or more tokens, instead create that many choo-choo cats or three one choo-choo cats with haste or three one dogs with vigilance. And this is the clear winner, of course, because who doesn't love cats and dogs? That's the only reason I can like that's why it won. Is that why? <laughs> that's why it won. I'm okay. not taking it any other way. <laughs> yeah, Genie Faye just had overwhelming support. 46% of the vote. Uh, we had a big turnout this time. Yeah. So uh, that's what we're going to start on Monday. We'll be working on Ginny Fey throughout the month. It's a very open-ended card. I mean, basically anything that makes tokens potentially interacts with Ginny Fey, and there are thousands of cards. Yeah, the fact the fact it doesn't say creature tokens just opens a huge possibility paradigm, right? Yeah. Like in the Discord, people are already throwing theories around, and they're just getting crazy by the minute. Yeah, I mean, this is... Well, it's an awesome choice, first of all, so kudos to uh, everyone who voted for it. I think we're going to have a fun month ahead. Um, there's a lot to do with this card, and we're definitely going to need multiple weeks to unpack it all. Exactly. Uh, so that's coming up on our next episode. Uh, again, if you want to get in on the action, come brew with us. Patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. That's where you can sign up, and we'd love to see you there. All right. Emmy. BNR, yes. News of the Week. What happened? Walk so, me through this. <laughs> from the beginnings of our new week. So first of all, I think we just mentioned the most important part. All of a sudden, Tuesday morning, no previous announcement, no previous anything. Ban and restricted announcements. The real getting the real format getting here is Pioneer. And then a lot of ballsy claims by wizards regarding the other formats that a lot of people will start debates. Yeah, I mean, I, I was so taken aback by the Pioneer banning that I didn't even realize at first that they'd also included like a health check for every other format, which is kind of nice. I mean, it gives us something to sink our teeth into, something to worry about. I mean, the fact the fact they're now doing bounce bans without previous announcement means these healthy checks are now worth a lot more. Because mm. now we at least know what to be feared of. Like, if they said in... I'm just talking out of my ass. In Finmodern, they said, we're really looking closely at Omnath. And they are banning out of nowhere. Then my Omnaths are in risk. But if they say everything is all right, I know at least I have a few more months or a few extra expansions before something goes out of hand. True. So the new ban cadence, if we can call it that, seems to be out of the blue announcement taking immediate effect. Right, this announcement was posted on June seventh. I did not see any leaks or spoilers about it. Took effect immediately on June seventh. If you were in a league with a card, you just get kicked out, get your money back. Really? Um, if you were going to a tournament this weekend, hoping to take it down with your Winota deck or your, is it Prowess? Is it Phoenix? You got to go back to the drawing board. That has to be devastating. Already paying for a tournament, and all of a sudden they're saying, you know, your best deck, it's out. You're out. Was there any warning for this? I mean, there is now a corresponding format on Arena called Explorer, which is all of the Pioneer legal cars that are on the Arena client. A true-to-tabletop format. They banned Winota there first just because... Well, why? Why did they do it? Because it was too powerful? Sort of. Because it felt bad? Yes, I think that's a big part of it. So they said it's going to be banned in Explorer, but not in real Pioneer. And here we are, two weeks later, three weeks later, <laughs> banned in real Pioneer. So, 
I think I read... I don't tend to agree with Saffron Olive in a lot of his comments regarding the meta and the game itself. But... All of a sudden, he actually said something I actually could stand behind. Which was, he was talking about any single aggro deck you are playing in Celestia, Naya, any sort of combination that included Boros or just creature aggro was a bad Winota. Everything was a bad Winota, unless it was Winota itself. So you always feel like you are playing underpower stuff due to a sheer power Winota brought to the deck itself. Why were you playing a creature aggro without Winota? You're just nerfing yourself. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that. Well, since we're on the subject, let's just take a look at the official declaration. I believe this is from Michael Majors and Ian Duke. Yes. On the Wizards play design team. All right. Uh, as noted before, we want Pioneer to provide as diverse an experience as possible. Blah, blah, blah. Um, quoting here. Okay, here we go. Over time, it has become clear that Naya Winota is suppressing diversity, as its power and consistency have drastically reduced incentives to play other linear creature-based strategies. Oh, they read Saffron Olive. Or perhaps the other way around. <laughs> Not only is it a resilient mid-range deck that can leverage many of the powerful mana creatures available in the format, but its explosive draws involving the deck's namesake, Winota, can create unassailable battlefield states as quickly as turn three. Okay, so that's like philosophical reasoning, right? Exactly like yeah. you were just saying, I mean. What they didn't say in there was that it was winning too much. They just said it's suppressing diversity. It is powerful and consistent. It says exactly that below. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm putting on my conspiracy hat here. So then the next paragraph says, due to its large metagame share, how large? They don't say. High win rate. How high? We don't know. They don't say that either. And ability to create frustrating removal check gameplay. Hmm. Did they say that before? I mean, is this something new? For those three reasons, Winota is banned in Pioneer. So why do I mention the high win rate? Well, I mean... Diehard Pioneer players point out immediately that Winota, although being among the best decks, or possibly one of the top two best decks alongside Rakdos Midrange, this varies week to week, and it hasn't been doing that well in the recent Pioneer challenges. Like, it wasn't in the top eights the last two weeks, except maybe one copy. And I'm kind of curious, kind of suspicious that they did not actually cite a win rate for the deck. Yeah, I mean... I don't care why they banned it because I just agree with the first part. <laughs> like, maybe just anti-tinfoil, but even if there's a tinfoil reason behind it, I agree with it, so I have no reason to fight it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I just think I think the first part was enough, and maybe they just went for the second part to make sure everybody was on board. Talk to me about this phrase frustrating removal check gameplay so removal check meaning you play a card that it's so powerful that if the opponent has removal everything's fine but if they don't have removal if they fail the removal check yeah it's over it's a full check it's like <laughs> because pioneer is more fair we have the removal check while in legacy we have the force check <laughs> exactly the phone check perhaps <laughs> <laughs> The phone check. Just to, just to harm Dan. <laughs> um, okay, so we understand that Winota is a removal check. You cast it if they don't have removal immediately. 
the trigger just happens and you know suddenly you're facing down Tovalar's Huntmaster, possibly that plus of more stuff. It's all over. The exact same thing I hear people saying this about Greasefang and Parhelion, both in Pioneer and in Explorer, right? It's a frustrating card because it's so swingy. Now, no one is saying yeah. that Greasefang is winning too much, but it has the almost the exact same gameplay where like you cast the card, go to combat. If the opponent has removal, they're totally fine. If they don't, they're dead. I think the difference is Greasefang requires the setup of A being vulnerable to graveyard while also needing to have done something previously besides casting creatures. All Winora has to do is put creatures on the board, while Grisfang actually has to find a way to put the find the Barhelion, put it on the graveyard, and then attack get the Grisfang check. Winora only needs to cast creatures, Winora check. Okay, so maybe Grisfang does have frustrating removal check gameplay, but Grisfang does not have high win rate or large metagame share right now. Exactly. Like, it might be annoying to have to deal with a Grease Fang, but the fact they have to do... Like, you don't have to deal with a Grease Fang if all they have is a Grease Fang. You need to deal with a Grease Fang if they have the Grease Fang and the Barhelion in the graveyard. Okay, so that's Winota. Now we got to get to the big one. Expressive Iteration. Expressive Iteration has been a multi-format all-star, I'm quoting again, since its release in Strixhaven School of Mages, a famously overpowered set. It has fueled a variety of highly successful is it strategies and pioneer by providing card selection and card advantage at a much higher rate than what is available to other decks, making it extremely difficult for other strategies to engage them in wars of attrition. Okay, so expressive iteration is good. We know yeah. that. The next paragraph. Although we recognize that there are several other powerful card draw spells in the format, Notably, Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, we currently believe that Delve spells contribute to Blue Decks and Pioneer having a unique identity among Eternal formats. Hmm. As Pioneer's card pool has fewer strong cantrips and no fetch lands, we're hoping many Delve cards can continue to be a part of the format at a more moderate power level compared to how they would play in other non-rotating formats. All right, so that's why Expressive Iteration, but not Treasure Cruise or Dig Through Time, is the card targeted here. So then the, the final summary, to lower the win rate of the wide variety of Izzet decks and bring them further in line with other strategies in the format, while maintaining what makes them special in Pioneer, Expressive Iteration is banned. I think they did what they have to, even if it's not correct. Like... The only reason you have nowadays to play Pioneer if you like that sort of spell-slinger um, set sort of decks is because you have access to the powerful Delve spells. If not, you're just playing a power-down version of the deck in another format. Like, it's attractive. I mean, do you actually believe that, though? Like, that's like saying Pioneer is just a watered-down modern, but no, I think that, I'm that's no longer true. Like, I'm saying it's not a watered-down modern because of cards like the Delve spells. Oh, okay. I think those are the cards that make it not a power-down modern. I see. Yeah, I was just thinking that the power-down modern argument just no longer holds water anymore because people are sick of how powerful modern is. Modern has its own problems. I think people are upset that they seem to consider yeah. modern healthy. But that's a, a separate topic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, I see from that. But if, I mean, they're consistent... Maybe they are, maybe I expressed myself incorrectly. I'm not saying they are correct, I'm saying they are consistent. If they consider modern to be healthy, 
then the point mm. of view of they having to separate Pioneer due to specific cards makes sense in order for each to be watered down modern. Gotcha. Okay. So they're consistent with their plan, which I think it's worth its own merit, regardless of if I consider some decisions are correct or not. Consistency is at least appreciated because we know what they have in their mind. So do you believe that Treasure Cruise is a more powerful card than Expressive Iteration? I think Treasure Cruise is a more powerful card, but I'm not sure in the... I think banning Treasure Cruise or the extra time, rather you have to ban both because if you keep one, they play just the one you left. But those mm. two cards are more powerful than Expressive Iteration. However... I agree that the format didn't need to shake down so much, right? But in Winoda, it's already enough of a shakedown to the format that's going to cause a lot of changes. I'm not sure if they needed to make so many changes. I only fear the power of Lotus Combo now, that the Winoda overlords are not keeping it in check. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into that uh, in a second, because David has left us some nice little notes, some prognostications on what he thinks will happen to Pioneer. But before we shift to that let's just dig into the heart of the question here expressive iteration i mean they're calling this a multi-format all-star i think that's just objectively true i'm somewhat persuaded by the people who say that expressive iteration is more powerful than treasure cruise it feels worse i I don't know why but like treasure cruise is like a big event right you you see the person like they they start counting their graveyard, like a bunch, there's a pause on Magic Online where they're like making sure the mana cost is just right. Resolve it, put it on the stack, and like, you know, it, it's very cathartic, the resolving of a treasure cruise. Yes, it feels like you're losing now, but you also feel like, oh, I could have prevented this, right? They, they earned it. They went through all this trouble to get their three cards. Whereas Expressive Iteration, they just peel it off the top, cast it, and you just have this sinking feeling like, oh God, I'm losing now. Like I was fine a minute ago, and now that they've drawn Expressive Iteration, I'm just losing. I mean, you're also losing if your opponent is casting Treasure Cruise. Regardless if they pay one or three. <sighs> I mean, I am, but I feel like it's my fault if I lose to Treasure Cruise. Whereas it's not my fault if I <laughs> lose to Expressive Iteration because they price this as like a fair standard card. I mean, the other part of this is that a lot of people who play it would say they would play five or six copies of Expressive Iteration, and they sometimes play three or even two copies of Treasure Cruise. I mean, like, Treasure just, Cruise which is one more is more, more important effect. Like, Iteration is the glue, and Treasure Cruise is, like, the big finish. The but problem is Treasure Cruise has, um, there's a term for this in English, when the second copy is worse than the first one, diminishing, diminishing returns. Yes. The first copy will always cost one, the second one not so much. Expressive iteration will always cost two. So finding multiple iterations is better than finding multiple treasure crews, but the first treasure crews is better than the first expressive iteration. Right. So I mean, if the question is which one is more powerful, maybe powerful is not the right word. Which one is more important to the deck? I feel like iteration is a much more important oh, card. Maybe. Maybe because of the lack of efficient countries and fetchlands, but I think in the long term, like the, the bigger the format gets, the more powerful the spells always get, right? I mean, we've been saying that for years and it hasn't happened yet. It's been years? Pioneer's <laughs> <laughs> <Probably laughs> been around for like two years, right? <laughs> Wait, what? Wasn't it more like this year? During the quarantine? Am I going to say? <laughs> 
I mean, we keep expecting the treasure cruise dig through time ban. We were expecting that in week one. We, we were like there for the birth of Pioneer and it just didn't happen. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And it's just wild to see decks like trying out temporal trespass instead of treasure cruise. The deck can only play so many delve spells, but the deck can play at least four possibly more expressive, expressive iteration effects. So I mean, I do feel like this is going to hurt the Izzet decks a lot more than the delve spells will. Maybe you're right, but there's also the fact that in order to ban the Delve spells, you have to ban both, right? Like, keeping one and without the other is almost the same. I mean, maybe, but I guess they're, they're like, not even going to entertain that right now, so... Yeah. We just have to make do with what they've done. Some people that I, I saw on Twitter were saying, like, man, it just feels really bad to them that a mid-range card, like Expressive Iteration, quote-unquote a mid-range card would get the ban because they don't want mid range to be more consistent. And like, you know, why, why would you ban this? Like they didn't feel like it's the kind of card that could ever be banned worthy. It's just powerful, but it's not unfair. I think this is a chat I had a few days ago regarding on nothing modern. You can always ban the engine or the payoff, right? And wizards always tries to ban the engine first. You have, Altar of Dimension, Bridge from Below in the Hoga case. You have they try to never aim for the head. They don't always ban the case. They don't go for the face. They don't go for the KCI first. They try to go for enablers in the meanwhile. They don't go for twin. They try to nerf on the way. They don't go for Hogak. They go for enablers. They try to not kill decks. They try to kill what makes it clock. Right. Take out the consistency tools. Take out the ancient stirrings. Exactly. They try to go for the they try to go for the legs, and if that doesn't work, they aim for the head. <laughs> Except that they didn't ban Asian stories. <laughs> the pro- I know. But they they didn't ban Lotus, they ban Breach, and they didn't ban in the in the case here, what do you kill out of what do you kill out of the Iset decks? What would be the head of the Iset decks? They didn't have any. So you just shoot at the, at one of the many legs and hope it falls down a bit. Yeah, so if you don't play Pioneer a lot, you might be wondering, what what is this core that we're talking about? The spells core is four consider, four opt, four expressive iteration. And then depending on what flavor of is it there, there is, it might be four pieces of the puzzle if they're in a Phoenix-style deck, um, sometimes chart, of course. Now, before expressive iteration was printed, you had to play stuff like strategic planning, um, which is not very good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you were in a prowess deck, you had to rely on late up the stage, and I, I guess you could try reckless impulse now um, if you were really hoping to replace expressive iteration. But yeah, those are the cards, um, the cheap cantrip or card draw effects that provide velocity, flow, what is sometimes called a Xerox style strategy. And then because your deck has all these spells in it, you can play some number of spell payoffs, whether that's a creature like Arclight Phoenix or Thing of the Ice or now Ledger Shredder. Or whether that's yeah. a delve spell like Treasure Cruise or Dig Through Time. Or Temporal Trespass. And there's just like too many options on the payoff side. Like unless like one of the payoffs is really, really egregiously powerful, you can't just cut off one of the payoffs. You have to go for the enablers. Yeah. And in the case of Winota, they had to go for the hair because what do you kill? Voice of Resurgence, Eldritch Evolution, a goblin, a hu- the seven mana human, the six mana. Grape Titan, that's green. <laughs> like, ignoring Winora, everything else is ranging from bad to meh. 
I mean, the enabler there would be Elvis Mystic. If you really felt like, you know, yes. green creature decks were too powerful, you could take out an Elvis Mystic. They'd probably you could take out one out. of the blue cantrips, and if you wanted to, like, really nerf these, you could take out Consider. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you should. <laughs> no, no, but they went for the banning that was medium against um, Isent decks, and they had to go for the head in the case of Winota, because anything you ban that isn't Winota is hitting a lot of other decks that do not deserve it and aren't really killing the Winota deck. All right. Well, whether these bans were justified or not, the, the biggest question is, what now, right? Where does Pioneer go from here? For this, we're going to consult our Pioneer Sage, our Pioneer Guru. He's not with us in, in the flesh, but he's with us in spirit. We'll have a little seance, summon the wisdom of David Robertson, and see what he thinks about the format. So, Emmy, I'm going to turn over to you here. Yes. So... Like, I have been reading this, trying to get into the mind of David, and I'm glad I had, like, really similar concepts. Like, I have, I, we have the first PTQ comings here in a few weeks, and I decided exactly the same deck that David is saying will be likely the best, so I'm pretty happy that we share most, if not all, the ideas. And to start with, um, the first phrase from David, we know that was the key card of the deck, there's nothing left there. Mm. So we know that it's dead. Empty your cyber slots, you're not facing that archetype ever again. So you're not persuaded by the Winota players who point out that, hey, we win a lot of games without Winota. I had that I, I had a chat with some people. I was like, yeah, and York both wins a lot of games in Modern with two mana two ones. The problem is those two mana two ones win the game because your opponent is holding up a removal for the win con, mm. not because they are good. It's because your opponent had to mulligan from removal to Winota, and they have to use that removal on Winota or lose the game. It's not like they don't have the removal. They're saving it for what matters. Alright, so Winota as a deck is gone. Naya mid-range, Naya creature aggro for now is completely gone. I think so. I don't think we will ever see... Maybe another Naya Celestia aggro deck will resource from the ashes, but I don't think it's like this nearby, not even close to the same. The combo, the comboish aspect of Winora and Wizard Quotes was a true threat. The removal check or death. Yeah, and speaking of removal check, David has a note here that for the rest of the rest of us non-Winora players, this will change the removal that we put in our sideboards. Right, there were a lot of specialty cards like Rending Volley, like Ray of Enfeeblement, um, Red Cap Melee that were being played specifically because they dealt 4 damage to Winota at instant speed. And yeah, now I mean, that Winota is gone, you can change, you know, play Abrupt Decay instead, for example. Exactly. After that, he says the complete opposite for... Um, he said Xerox leaks that existed before considered iteration, that just banning iteration won't eliminate them, just make them a bit worse. Cards like Dan mentioned, Reckless Impulse can just straight up replace Express Iteration, Chattacors, Iset Charm... And the fact that we know there is no more means that DT is likely no more. Hmm. So goodbye to the DTs and embrace our overlord, the Ledger, likely. In because it's better in practically all matchups that were in Winora. Yeah, Thing of the Ice has not been that prevalent lately, whereas Ledger Shredder just keeps seeing more and more play. So if there's not like a creature-based aggro deck, then there's no longer any reason to play Thing of the Ice. So now we're going to be seeing a lot more Ledger Shredders in the Arclight Phoenix decks. And, I mean, if Prowess continues to be good enough, I mean, David is saying he thinks it will be, 
that uh, reckless impulse is going to be enough, then yeah, uh, is it sur- should survive, which would be a success from I think the perspective of play design. Successful banning. Yeah. Finally, the third deck is talking about what this used to be like the the trial of best decks in Pioneer used to be Winota, Iset, Lotus, and Lotus didn't get a single card touched. Not only that, but Winota was the predator of Lotus, right? Like Winota just destroyed that deck. I believe so. I mean I never played that matchup myself, but I can imagine that a fast clock plus occasional disruption is more than enough to just crush Lotus Field. So I expect a lot of Lotus Field coming for the upcoming weeks, and I wouldn't play any deck that doesn't have at least a decent matchup or a good cyberplane against it. Okay. Which leads to my new favorite deck in the format, and has nothing, absolutely no correlation of any sort with the fact it's the Yorion deck in the format. <laughs> Whatsoever. No correlation. So now that we have all agreed that there is no correlation with the fact that Yorion is involved with whatever I'm about to say, Azorius Control got a huge power-up due to this because it has a sing- not a single card touch and it has a pretty good Lotus matchup. They gotta ban Yorion next just just to free us from the madness. <laughs> <laughs> just to stop Please me. Please don't let Yorion be the best deck in Pioneer. Yes, you eat. So 80 card blue-white control. Yes. Why 80 cards? Just because, you know... Because it's free. If blue white is the best deck, it's yeah, might as well start with an extra four or five. <laughs> extra four or five and the deck plays so many of the seas and wandering emperor. I'm a simple man. <laughs> I'm a simple guy. Um and for those who have not seen this interaction, when you blink the wandering emperor with your Yorian, it comes back on your end step and you can then activate again. Yeah, so it's pretty common something like on your opponent's end step, make a knight into your turn, make a knight, blink with Yorion, exile a creature, or make a third knight. Yeah, just make sure you have a stop set in your end step if you're on Magic Online. Yes. Um, all right, so Lotus Field trending up, blue-white trending up. Uh, also, we think blue-white is somewhat favorable against Lotus, just has a yeah. lot of counter magic. Um, Lotus really struggles against one or two counter spells. It's enough to really... Um, throw you off for a few turns, and then you rely on your combo staples such as the 6-mana Thought Desertion Yes. to get you ahead in the games. Alright, so if we're expecting more Lotus and Blue-White, where does that leave the rest of the format? Well, if we expect more Lotus and, and more Azorius, unlike in Modern where we have cards like Solitude and Prismatic Ending, we don't have that many efficient removals in Azorius colors here, so Monored can really go below both of these decks, just rush them out. Mm. Which means Monored might be making a bit of a comeback according to David. Okay, yeah, I mean Monored plays Eidolon of the Great Revel, so that's pretty good against Lotus. Not amazing, but pretty good. Um, it's got plenty of value in its lands that tends to be important against a blue-white deck because they will sweep the board frequently. Yeah. And that means that I don't like Burn, so I really hope it doesn't, but likely you are going to start seeing a lot more of those aggressive, just moderate and hoping they line up well against the meta. Yeah, it's an open question of, like, will people start to play less removal if they feel like they don't need as much because Winota is gone? Does that mean you can connect more often with your prowess creatures, or if you want to play, like, Heroic or something? Is that just going to go run rampant? 
I don't think people will play less removals, they will just adapt the quality of removal they are playing, right? Because now you don't need Feral Push, you can just play Change Your Rooks or Portable Hole. Now your removal has, doesn't have to be able to remove a 4-mana creature at instant speed. Okay, so Mono Red might be on the upswing as a counter to Lotus and Blue White. David has a note here that Spirits falls into the same category. It's fast, it's disruptive. It's not as fast, but it's more disruptive. Yeah. Um, the Snow Mono Blue version has been kind of a quiet contender, and then also Blue White or the more traditional Bant. What about Rakdos Midrange, a deck that people had been calling one of the top two decks in the last couple of weeks? The biggest problem with Rakdos is the fact that creatures are going to stop being as played, right? Like, Rakdos was really good against Winota, and it has lost its main matchup. It's mm. still going to do pretty great against Mono Red or Spirits, but it's going to struggle with the opposite. Rakdos Mono Removal really struggles against an instead Wandering Emperor into a 5-mana Teferi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're lucky if you can remove those at all, and if you do, you're removing them at a great deficit to yourself. Exactly. So, I think it's going to take a huge hit from the change in the meta as Asorius just gets bigger and Lotus gets a bigger hold of the meta and is able to just dedicate more spots to fighting that sort of strategy instead of Winota. All right, so a couple layers deep now, we raise the possibility that people will stop playing as much cheap removal. This is something that David has wondered about too. And he's thinking, if that happens, well, then what? Can we actually get away with playing like a Llanowar Elf Elvish Mystic deck? And if so, does that mean something like Mono Green? Yeah. Like the Mono Green Devotion deck. Maybe those decks can come back. Also, the mention of Embercleave in Gruul decks, just because people aren't going to have as much instant speed removal. Embercleave is such a fun card. It's also terrifying if only have if you only have sorcery speed removal. So that would be like a pure speed list. Red-green beats with Ember Cleave. Green is more like, I guess, the Planeswalker Devotion style decks with, you know, Kiora, sometimes Storm the Festival. I won't say they struggled against Winota, but they were never really happy to get paired against Winota because that comes down to die rolls so much when like you can't disrupt them. You just sort of hope yeah. that you're going first and that you don't <laughs> get dunked on by the Winota before you get a chance to set up. So I'm sure that the, the mono green players are happy to see Winota gone. Oh, of course. Just because even if the matchup felt favorable, Winota is just so powerful that you always felt like you were going to lose to just Winota, wing Winota, right? Like turn one creature, turn two, turn one mana drop, turn two, any creature, turn three, Winota, just... If you survive, you're lucky. And even if you survive, you're just so far behind, it's unsurmountable. Finally, we have a note here from David about some lesser-played decks that fall into the mid-range or mid-range pile camps. For example, uh, Four-Color Omnath, Grixis, or Jeskai mid-range, maybe like Fires of Invention. Um, these are decks that... Took a huge hit. <sighs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they played Express Iteration before, that was almost certainly their best card by a huge margin. And having that knocked out from under them when they were already barely playable to begin with... These are the kind of decks where you get those tweets being like, man, I guess mid-range is just not allowed to exist, huh? <laughs> but, I mean, your deck was always pretty bad, so... It just, got unplay it just went from <laughs> fringe to unplayable at the speed of light. Right. So, like, yeah, okay, now you have no real incentive to be in the is-it color, so, like, does Sultai become attractive again? 
maybe. Does Nurset become better? I mean, I feel like Nurset is a great card against Blue White and Lotus. So something like our Narset Bring to Light deck might be good again, whereas hmm. Narset was terrible against you know, any kind of creature deck. Narset is bad against anything that plays a single creature. It's just automatic. You just look at both decklists and be like, this is going to be insane or this is going to be terrible at just... <laughs> just looking at the creature count. And a final note from David here about the kind of removal you might be incentivized to play. He says that cheap sorcery speed removal is slightly more attractive now. Think of Portable Hole, think of Chain to the Rocks. Turning on Fatal Push is less important. It was never easy to do in, in Pioneer to begin with, but you know you no longer have to be holding that blood token plus an extra mana <laughs> up in fear every turn in case the Winota comes down. Grease Fang is still out there, so you still want like some ability to play at instant speed with your removal, but you can get away with maybe more sorcery speed stuff. Yeah. Also, he gave us a small tier list, so best case for tier ones, we have, as was mentioned, Azorius Control, Lotus, Mono Red, Spirits, and Mono Green. The best case for tier two, we have the new Xerox nerf deck list, Rakdos Removal, Nibmiset, and Grease Fang. And finally, because of course David is going to have a comment like this one, because he has been too nice for the whole text, for your information, <laughs> this opens zero space for whatever garbage people were upset they were losing with before. The rest of the metagame is still going to farm. Yeah. Because he was getting a tad too nice and just had to let his spirit free at the end. <laughs> yeah, the David seance ends as we knew it had to end. <laughs> We were informed that stop playing garbage is not going to work even after the bans. <laughs> so David is predicting that it falls down to tier 2 alongside Rectos because Rectos does not have as much to prey on. And he's predicting both Lotus, Spirits, Mono Green, and Blue White all ascending to the top tier. I mean, that would be a meaningful shift in Pioneer. That being said, like the format was already churning. I felt like I had a pretty healthy churn before. We haven't seen the numbers, so we're just going to have to take Wizard's word for it that this is for the best for Pioneer. But, I mean, this is the featured format in the first round of regional championship qualifiers. I think a lot of the qualifiers are going to be featuring Pioneer, and we know that will be the format for the uh, national championships as well. Yeah. Yeah, we knew Samban was going to come. Like, this wasn't the format it was going to be played at the Pro Tour. We just were hoping to see what was going to change. Any comments, Mord, on the modern health check? We got, like, four sentences on modern. Yeah, and what if we got, like, a tiny paragraph that, at least for me, I'm quite happy with. They just went ahead and said, well, literally, everything is fine, in more words. <laughs> the modern metagame continues to show greatly playstyle diversity with aggro, combo, tempo, and control, and ramp represented in 10 most played decks, which is true, we have Amulet Titan, Tron... Burn, four color midrange, um, and Murktide representing each of them alongside other decks. The most played decks is that Murktide represents about 10% of the Magic Online metagame and hovers around a 50% win rate. The top decks show strengths and weaknesses against each other, and there looks to be plenty of room for less popular rogue decks to be successful. I think all in all they are right. They are disregarding how much people hate playing against Yorion decks, and I don't know why people hate playing so much against Yorion decks. I think it's because the Yorian deck has so many of the cards from the last two years that 
like are emblematic of people's frustrations with modern. Okay. If you can kind of compartmentalize them so that any particular archetype only plays like three outrageous MH2 cards, but then you look at the Yuri index and it's like all of them are here. <laughs> it's like, ah, what the heck, you know? There's no synergy. It's just like powerful card, powerful card, overpowered card, too generous card. I'm. I, yeah, I guess it can be that. Like, people complain so much about Yurion because they like complaining, but I agree with what they're saying right now. But the format is diverse enough, at least in my point of view. Like, in my last three leagues, I have played literally around... I played against three Neoforms in my last three leagues. <laughs> what? <laughs> three Neoforms, a Storm player, an Amnosium player, an Emerfolk player, a Goblins player, two humans... In my last three, four leagues, none of that is a tier one deck, and it has been approximately 50% of my matchups. And then I have played the Mirror, Murktide, Amulet, Grixis Shadow, Grixis Arcanist, that's somehow in the search. So, I think people just remember the worst parts about what they face, and people just love complaining. I think we have said that before. But I think Modern is in a pretty good spot. I think as long as a huge percentage of the modern player base is willing to play decks like the ones you mentioned, whether because they don't want to buy a new deck or they just, you know, they enjoy playing that particular strategy. Those decks are not in the top tier. They're not even in the second tier, but they're out there. I mean, the field at large has always been, you know, the biggest slice of the modern metagame pie. So that will always be true, even when there's like a broken deck. Yeah. you can't pinpoint a broken deck right now on the fact that they're calling out Murktide at 10% meta share, 50% win rate uh, is like the one to have their eye on. Like, I, I think people also, the first, the argument I saw the most was people saying that four color control, if you sum up four color control and elementals and everything together has like a 15%. But then you are considering the builds that have Ring Light, the builds that play Cavernous Souls, and the builds that play Ragavan as the same deck. Because people see Yorion plus Abundant Growth and just assume it's the same, but I don't agree. All right. So that's the BNR. Any final thoughts on it? Um, I think we will see a new BNR in the next month or two regarding mostly maybe Pioneer again even. Oh. I think maybe okay. we have... Under, I think maybe either Monogreen or Lotus Bridge might have just escaped a bit too much. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert. But based on what I have seen of the format before, maybe if there aren't enough Asorius players or such to control the Lotus, maybe it just gets out of hand. I don't think anyone enjoys playing against Lotus Field combo. So if that banning happens... And that's a huge part out of it. Yeah, there would be some... Something in the in the, that hypothetical BNR about an unfun play experience. Exactly. Like people, it's the same as KCI. Even if it's not broken, people hate it so much, it's more prone to get banned. There are a handful of cards in Pioneer that feel like they're from a different era of magic. Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx, Thoughtseize, <laughs> Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time. These are the four that stand out right away as like, wow, that's legal? Like, are you sure? Yeah. Um, Nykthos is probably doing the best of those right now. Well, I guess, <laughs> assuming that Expressive Iteration Ban has its intended effect of knocking the blue decks down a little bit. I think it will. Nykthos would be the one, maybe perhaps the next one to like roar its head. Because these green decks are getting better and better. Yeah, exactly. 
And most of these people are not playing a lot of removal nowadays. I mean, if, the, if the number of instant speed removal goes down and monocle index are allowed to grow, maybe Nyctos is the one to get the next bullet. All right. Well, we will, of course, keep you apprised of any developments on that front. We'll be refreshing the Wizards website every day now in fear <laughs> of the next ban. But uh, until then, we have other brewing business to turn our attention to. So from overpowered cards to decks that are barely playable, cruising to another 3-2 finish. Aggressively medium. Aggressively medium decks. Uh, we're going to pivot now to our flashback segment and tell you a little bit about our testing results with last week's card, which was Extraction Specialist. Extraction Specialists. Two and a white, human rogue, 3-2 lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature with mana value 2 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature can't attack or block for as long as you control Extraction Specialist. So we like this card. I mean, we had a lot of nice things to say about it if you listened to our episode uh, from Monday. Compares favorably to Renegade Rallyer, we hoped. <laughs> the fact it has lifelink is pretty big. The fact it's non-conditional on revolt is pretty big. And the can't attack or block tends to not be as relevant in most scenarios. Yeah. That means the card tends to be extremely tempo positive play and wor and worst case scenario three mana three two lifelink it's worth like two mana or two and a half so it's not like if the if the trigger fails or whatever you're just out of the game. Yeah, so we imagined a lot of scenarios where you know a fully powered extraction specialist gives you that two point five mana creature plus a valuable two drop and it's just like oh that's so good. Um, we also talked about different ways to choose two drops that don't need to attack and block to affect the battlefield. On that note, uh, maybe we can go to Emmy first. You are taking these principles, applying them to modern, and refining a little bit um, some of the weaknesses as to <laughs> well, yeah, some of the Esper concepts that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks back. Exactly. So I fell in love with Rafin. I actually consider Rafin a good card with the only problem being its mana cost. Which of course leads me to play a deck with Rafin and a lot of 2-drops, which of course means if I have efficient 2-drops that none of them want to attack, I want to play Extraction Specialist. That was like my line of thought as I came around with this Esper Hate Bear Spiral deck. So the 2-drops in this deck are Charming Prince, Talia, Dark Confiant, and Tide Hollow Scholar, and the one drops are Esper Sentinel and Thraven Inspector. None of them want to ever attack or block. Maybe Thraven Inspector wants to block. Hmm. Other than that, you don't even care about what happens to them. So you just want them. You are playing two mana for practically permanence that have no attack until you need to close the game. You just want their static effects. Not only that, it's really common for you to ephemerate your extraction specialist. So you just get a new creature and the first one can attack and actually pressure the opponent. So I took this new league for a spin. First time I got a 3-2. Now I got another 3-2 with Dark Confident, which quoting Dan was at least inevitable. <laughs> Dark Confident seems pretty good. Famous last words. Dark Confident seems good here. Declares man about to go 3-2. That's from Dan <laughs> as we were talking about the deck and two hours later I got a 3-2. I mean, it does seem good here, right? 
It was great. It's a high value target, a removal check target. The, the one time it hit a solitude and I took five, I was fine because I got a solitude. So I was like, I'm willing to take this trade. Yeah, so you just threw him in, full place at a dark confidence, even though you have four solitude, four grief, and a bunch of three drops. No fear, just flip the top card, put it in your hand. Yeah, no fear, just <laughs> pray for it and hope it works. The deck worked, the deck felt quite good. The only problem with the deck is I cannot find Rafin comfortably enough. Like, if I could find more Rafins. Like, the deck relies a lot of it being its top end. Like, the times you just go turn 1 Esper Sentinel into turn 2 Tide Hollow into turn 3 Rafin attack get a 3 3 Esper Sentinel, you feel like the king of the world. Well, would you consider just cutting 20 cards so you could play a normal 60 card deck like the rest of us and then you would draw Rafin more often? Whoa. 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 <laughs> Slow down, cowboy. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, Whoa. We're playing with just fire, mate. Just, just preparing for the uh, inevitable Yorian ban. Uh, I'm out of this, bye. I'm out of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> That's the last you have seen of more. Have a nice night. <laughs> <laughs> but... Maybe that's the correct play, but you're not going to make me do it. So if anybody wants to actually play this without Yorion, just remove the Grief, remove two Ephemerates. I can't even take you watch or remove. I have already in my mind what I should do. I don't have the strength to do it. <laughs> remove seven lands, remove four Grief, that's 11. Remove one Thraven Inspector, that's 12. One Thalia, 13. Two Strangler, one thing, and you're done. It's pretty easy. I don't have the strength to do it. I hope you do. Would Extraction Specialist, like, survive in yeah, this yeah. new version? Yeah, Extraction Specialist as a 2-off has been extremely useful in... Because, especially with the Violon 3, once you sideboard both of your more powerful hate bears like Meddling Mage, holding a Violon 3 that's an Extraction Specialist is devastating. So you felt like every time you drew this, you're like, this is a powerful card. Yeah. This is going to do something good for me. Yeah. And because you're playing... So this deck doesn't fill its own graveyard, but it's playing... Must die creatures. Esper Sentinel, Dahlia, Dark Confiant, and Tide Hollow are must kill on sites. Which means you are gonna have two mana creatures in your graveyard for your attraction specialist 99% of the time because if not, your opponent is not playing the game. Or you have a live Dark Confiant, which is a worthy trade off. Well, that's an important lesson, right? So you don't need to actually play any dedicated cards to fill up the graveyard. The only card that can even do that here is Rafine. A card we do like, right? The Kanaev can put something in the graveyard, but you're relying on your opponent to do that work for you or for them to just die because they left Athalia and an Espresentinel in play. Yeah. So, and more, more often than not, I don't think I have ever gotten Athalia to survive more than one or two turns or a Dark Confident or a Tide Hollow. Hollow especially just tends to trip on itself and die. The fact it's also an artifact. So the fact it's also an artifact has gotten it killed by Bosseishu one too many times. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth saying. I lost a game huh. against Amulet because I was like, okay, he has two cards in hand. I just take the removal if they have removal, take the Titan if not, and all it's cool. On a facade, I see their hand, Bosseishu plus Titan. Proceed to cry into oblivion. So it seemed like we actually like how this deck is built. We like what it's trying to do. It does play Dark Confidence, so it can never do better than 3 and 2. It, it's bound to a 32. This is the equivalent of a 5-0. It, it's, it's the Dark Confident 5-0. It used to be the Shun 5-0, but now it's the Dark Confident 5-0.
But if you have a playset of confidants, the original Ragavan, we might call it. <laughs> it's so far away. It's like saying Shakal Pap is the original Ragavan. I think it's the same distance. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a home for your dark confidants, I mean, this deck looks fun. Uh, a fun way to go three and two over and over and over again. <laughs> Bound to the three twos. Speaking of which, uh, we'll go to our next deck here with Extraction Specialist, which takes us a pioneer, but it is also playing a full playset of Rafine Scheming Seer. This is David's list, black-white aggro splashing just for Rafine, and this is actually the same concept that we talked about a couple weeks back, but David liked it a lot. I mean, he liked it yeah. so much, he feels like he's right on the cusp of a powerful, playable build. I advise everyone to try Rafine. Rafine is shockingly powerful. Like, it doesn't deserve to be as powerful as it is. I'm not being ironic. I'm surprised by how useful that card has been every single time it has touched the board with one or two creatures on board. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this list will be familiar to listeners. It's for Rafine, for Archfiend Vessel, for Extraction Specialist. That power combo of Extraction Specialist bringing back the Archfiend Vessel immediately getting the demon that's free to attack and block uh, is very attractive. Now, you have to fill the deck out with other stuff, and this is where it starts to get a little bit less powerful. Rafine's Informant, Bloodsoaked Champion, Acquisitions Expert, Luminarch Aspirant, for Thalia, Guardian of Thraben. We're choosing cards that add to the battlefield, so we're sort of an aggro deck, you know, Rafine coming down and immediately having creatures already in play so you can attack and connive once or twice is quite powerful. But, I mean, if you draw the wrong combination of these cards, you kind of have an anemic curve of like 2-1 into 2-1. I'm just like, hope you're not dead. <laughs> so this is what David tested, right? He changed around a few of the last slots trying to get the exact right numbers of like fatal pushes. The Thought Seasons are no longer in the main deck. We're playing Thalia instead, as we talked about last week. He played two leagues with this. He got a 3-2 and another 3-2. So <laughs> we're cruising in that 3-2 lane. Extraction Specialist is a 3-2 that can't go any better than 3-2. But, I mean, here we are, right? Is it the Rafine chorus? <sighs> is it actually Rafine, the one that's pounding us to a 3-2? Two, to I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so conclusions that David drew uh, after playing this for two more leagues, bringing his total number of leagues with the deck up to like four or five now. Yeah. And I played this deck last week myself. He said that when he draws Rafine and plays it on turn three, the deck feels basically unbeatable. He only lost one game across two leagues where he played turn three Rafine. <laughs> That's the same as I was saying. <laughs> that being said... <sighs> The rest of the deck is just like a bunch of two drops and one drops, and if that's all you're drawing, you're just weaker than everybody else, right? Specialist bringing something back is fine, but it's not enough to make up for the inherent lack of power of just being yeah. a bunch of one and two drops in Orzhov colors. Yeah, I completely agree. Specifically, if you want to keep playing this in the post-ban metagame, uh, David had a few thoughts here, right? He said he liked the list better when there was a lot more red removal because shock effects, stomp effects don't do as well against like the 5-5 five, five demon or, you know, Rafine is a 1-4 with a ward. If people are playing more fatal push effects, then they don't care about your demon. Similarly, just like a lot of the creatures in this deck naturally have lifelink. That's the extraction specialist. That's the Archfiend's vessel. There's a one Valentine Dean of the Vein. 
if you're playing a lifelinker throwing some counters on it from Rafine, you know, that's a decent B plan when there's a lot of aggro. It's less exciting if there's a lot of Lotus combo and blue-white in this future metagame. Thalia's probably still a good call. Uh, and Winota, which was a terrible matchup for the same reasons that Mono Green hates Winota, um, that's gone, so that's also another sigh of relief. Um, the black-red matchup was always tough. They just have too much removal, too easy for them to stabilize. So if black-red takes a step back, uh, that would be a good sign for this deck. But we're still in the medium, medium-plus range for this archetype as a whole. Yeah. All right, finally... Um, <laughs> the party just started. <laughs> the party has started and it's already over. It's closing time for this party. I had to test out the black-white coveted prize deck. Right, <laughs> this is the deck I've been hoping, trying to make this good for what feels like a year. Extraction Specialist and Mage's Attendant are new cards from Streets of Capenna that each provide two bodies. They contribute two bodies towards my party. Now that I have those, I'm like a little more hopeful that I can try to get up to party three or possibly even party four to power up Coveted Prize, to power up Archpriest of Iona. I've got a squad commander in this deck. As like a payoff for getting coveted prize for four, or you know, <laughs> cast it for just one black, immediately get the squad commander, make a bunch of tokens, give my team lifelink, or rather give my team plus one plus one indestructible. The dream was all there. In practice, I mean, yeah, you can <laughs> you can guess what happened. <laughs> we started off strong with a three and two. And then I followed up with a second league, hoping to go three and two again, and actually ended up ended up only getting two and three. So <laughs> There was no hope. Clearly worse, right? Every other deck was 3-2, and two, and this one was 3-2 into 2-3. You know why? Why is that? Because you didn't have Rafin. You didn't have the 3-2 secured. I think that's exactly what it was. Like <laughs> This deck really, really lacked power. You know, as cool as it was, I mean, I took as many screenshots as I possibly could. I felt like I have one job. <laughs> Get the screenshots test this and get as many screenshots of party doing its thing, right? Get the screenshots of fully powered coveted prize, get the screenshots where I top deck Archpriest of Iona. And even though it's summoning sick, I have a full party. So I get to fly over because it has that trigger at the beginning of combat. Like I did this a bunch of times, but every time I pulled it off, it didn't feel broken. It just felt like, Oh, I got like a little bonus, but I know, like I know how much I had to bend the deck to get this stuff in here. Yeah. And the party was holding me back for sure. Okay. Sad to say. Even the mage's attendants, like playing this and like, yeah, I got counter magic protection up. Like it's just not enough. It's not enough protection. Not paying one mana for one is not enough. I really want to retry my party modern deck that I had a while ago that was able to three two consistently. Oh, with like Magda and Changelings and stuff? No, no, no. It was actual party deck with but the payoff, but instead of being like extremely aggro with coveted price, the payoff was the commander. That's one mana if you have a party. Oh, Tezri. Yeah. The beacon of unity. Yeah, and you just play a turn three Tezri and just start activating and grinding your opponent into the ground. Because a lot of party members are hate bears. Yeah, I mean, maybe I was in the wrong format. Like, here's what happened, right? So I played two leagues, right? Every time I drew like Luminarch Aspirant, Extraction Specialist, I was like, okay, my cards feel powerful. I've got, you know, Mutavolt or something. Like, these are good cards. I'm in the... I'm in contention. Right? This could go my way. 
And then the games where I just drew like <laughs> Rafine's Informant, Bloodsoaked Champion, Archpriest of Iona, which like looks very cool, but it's no it's no champion of the parish. Like if they have any removal at all, yeah. it doesn't matter what they kill. They can kill the Archpriest, they can kill something else. Them just like reducing your board presence just nerfs the Archpriest. Uh, <laughs> it's very discouraging. I felt like I, I could never beat a red deck, and there were plenty of red decks when I tested this. I think, yeah, I had the same... Like, however, when I was playing my deck, I also l- lost to Lavadart a lot, and Lavadart is out of the meta, so maybe it's time for Party to try again. Damn, I want to play Party Modern and lose. We shift the party over to Modern. I like it. <laughs> the dream is not dead yet. That's the goal. <laughs> but don't play this Pioneer version. Uh, no. Just, if you want to play Extraction Specialist, play Rafine, have fun. Enjoy the Rafine. Yeah. Extraction Specialist, my kind of final conclusion is that it is a good card, but it's not so good that it can compensate for playing bad cards. You still have to like fill the deck with good cards. And yeah. I think both my list and David's list did not succeed on that metric. Yeah, I think that's the reason. I think the reason the... Well, my list can got the three to consistently is I'm not devoting myself to a specialist. I'm playing a deck where a specialist is good. Hmm. And the, early, and the other modern day that has had a sort of revival, and I actually faced it yesterday when I got a 5-0, I almost lost to it, incredibly, was humans. Mm. Extraction specialist in humans, they are playing a playset of Pyre of Heroes. And the lines they can get are pretty annoying. Like yesterday they just had like a tally on board which did nothing. They sacrificed it to get, it was late in the game. They just got... Extraction Specialist, get back a Charming Prince, play the Extraction Specialist, get back a Phantasmal Image, copy my Solitude, kill my Omnath. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all of a sudden, that Talia transformed into a 3-2 Lifelinker, a 2-2 DTV, and a Solitude. You know, we tend to think of Renegade Rallyer as, as a bad card or a failed card, but there's some insane things you can do with that effect, right? And a deck like Humans just can't enable Renegade Rallyer. It's, it's not possible. Exactly. Mana base. But if you give them the option to like put an extraction specialist in instead, they can do some insane things. And they then went ahead and sacrificed a specialist to get... They got a 4-drop. Which 4-drop did they get? I think it was like Piankiran Alar. Oh, Piankiran. <laughs> yeah, and they just fought to the board. But I think yeah. there's actually some merit to extraction specialist in the humans deck with Pyre. Because it's just... The Pyre itself makes every single top deck into an annoying top deck. Like, the most common thing is they sacrifice, like play Talia's Lieutenant, sacrifice it, get Extraction Specialist, get Talia's Lieutenant again. And it's a double pump to the whole board. Yeah, maybe that's what I should have been playing in Pioneer. Like, a Pyre, Humans... Well, yeah. I don't know. There's just not enough good Humans, though. Hmm. Maybe. But, yeah, that's the other place where it has seen a lot of success in Modern. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll call it here for Extraction Specialist, a card that I think we'll see more of, although not in these specific decks. I think these decks need a little more work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's why we test them. But a card we're happy with. Yeah, I'm happy with it too. All right, we are going to call it here for today. We will be back on Monday for our first crack at Ginny Fay Jetmere Second, the winning card for our second monthly project. Before we go, I just want to make the tiny announcement on today's episode because it's the one that's going to come faster to, well, today. On Friday's episode, it's the faster to the 8. All access tokens all around. Remember, it's 25 bucks for three weeks of anything you want to play, any format, all the cards. 
So if you ever wanted to get into MTGO, it's the best deal there is by a mile. Okay. Yeah, it's three weeks now, I think so. Almost three weeks until the 25. That's a lot of time. Yeah, we don't talk about that too much, but I mean, having access to all of the cards is what makes it possible for us to do this uh, this podcast, right? And you can do that on Magic Online in a way that is just unthinkable in paper. So if... You know, you're a brewer who is like on the fence about whether Magic Online is a client worth trying. I mean, now is the perfect time to just try it. Yeah, they'll, they'll access tokens. 25 bucks to have access to every deck you want. Even if you're just thinking about which decks do I want to buy on paper. Absolutely worth it. Testing anything you want for that amount of for $2 a day is a really good deal for anybody. So yeah. Yeah, and if you're on like a rental service right now, uh, you can just pause a rental service and it's cheaper to get the all-access token. It's not only cheaper, it's more comfortable because you don't have to be com- constantly trading cards. You just have access to everything. Like, even I do that. I just stop my trading for like three weeks and then I restart it. It's amazing. Alright. Well, a little PSA, a little nugget thrown into our <laughs> sign-off. <laughs> but, exactly. Alright, now for real this time, we're calling it for today. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we'll see you again on Monday. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Decklists for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And tune in on Monday for our brew session featuring Ginny Faye Jetmere Second. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. If you like what we do, you can join our community at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.